good evening and good evening somesh what's up my man can you hear me i can hear you absolutely and to everybody logging in super fabulous <laughs> awesome <laughs> oh man why so why yeah, we, why we wearing similar colors yeah <laughs> We, we we managed to coordinate i mean that's <laughs> that's a <the> chemistry <laughs> oh wow and i did not Absolutely. expect to see you clean shaven somesh <laughs> oh you know what actually quite quite funnily i just had to go for some um kind of a skin treatment thing and the doctor said you have to kind of, kind of clean everything out and oh, wow. uh, get it yeah so i unfortunately had to <laughs> get rid of my beard maybe about what four or five years approximately oh wow okay okay yeah, so you're yeah, seeing your, your own face after like you know maybe four or five years that's that's awesome <laughs> you know i can actually touch my own skin and it feels nice but however you know i used to always wonder that why do my dogs love it you know when we scratch their fur and now i realize why <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, that is awesome <laughs> So yeah, uh, on that note, you know, I'm, I would welcome everybody else watching this show, whether you're on Facebook, Millions, or YouTube. Uh, thank you for joining Absolutely. us. This is, yeah, this is episode four of the Inside Scoop. So you're the fourth oh, expert wow. that we have on our show. We had a bunch of Beyond the Gloves, which was based on the athletes, and every right, three weeks right. we get an expert on. And this week oh, wow. we have you. Yeah. So, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> love interacting with you love interacting with the fans but i'm just wondering if there are any more experts <laughs> so, yeah, so much, i think we had we had a bit of connectivity issue for for a few seconds back there hopefully you know that goes away but uh, yeah so right. awesome you know so so for those of you who don't know somesh you know and i would i would be very surprised if you're a fight fan and you don't know somesh but in case you don't uh somesh kamra if you don't know you can just f o <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm serious, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah. If if you've been following the UFC, you know who Somesh Kamra is back in India. You know he's the host of the Ultimate Guide to the UFC on Sony. Yeah. But he's been working behind the scenes for many many years. You know, even when most of us did not even know what MMA was about, and still learning about combat sports, Somesh was yeah, in the game. Yeah. He runs Superhuman Gym in Manipal, and I believe a couple of other places as well. and uh, more importantly he is the point of contact for the ufc when it comes to identifying good talent in india and fig- figuring out who to put on on the road to ufc and thanks so much we have anshul jubli who's gone on and won a ufc contract so again you know welcome to the show absolutely <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for the wonderful introduction weber really you know in fact it's so good to speak to you on your podcast because uh i you know i do believe there are some podcasts which are meant for fun and there are some podcasts which are meant for serious listeners and yeah. i do believe this is one of those you know channels that people should tune into if you're a serious fight fan and you want to meet some you know good knowledgeable people i think this is the spot to be in uh but you know just a little correction before anshul jubli i had plugged in bharat kandare in 2017 right uh, absolutely you know, sorry totally and uh, that yeah yeah you know and that was that was in fact my first opportunity that i got from the ufc you know we've been talking for like maybe about 3 or 4 years before that and we never really got this chance to get somebody in but you know bharat was uh, at the right place at the right time you know mm-hmm. things didn't go as uh, how we planned it to be but yeah but he was the first guy in the ufc and now uh, anshul jubli but uh, weber just one thing you know i would i would just like to uh, you know tell all the fans and you know maybe some fighters that are listening out there that it's not just road to ufc you know we have we have uh, you know dana white contender series we have uh, uh, you know tough uh, 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 the ultimate fighter which is there and obviously the ufc it's a conscious decision uh, you know not to put somebody in the ufc directly because honestly the way the organization is moving uh, you know they we are we are actually cutting some top fighters just so that we can accommodate you know 700 750 fighters because right now i think 
the UFC has about what 900 odd fighters on the roster, you know, and with the Dana White Contender Series and Road to UFC happening simultaneously, many new fighters are getting signed on on a weekly or a monthly basis. So, uh, you know, since we cannot keep all the fighters on the roster, uh, you know, some some big top people are also getting cut. So, I think in in the next couple of years. You know, maybe there'll be about 550, 600 fighters on the roster, but they all will be top of the line, you know. Right. So, uh, I do believe getting straight in the UFC is a huge jump for any Indian fighter. Uh, and either Road to UFC or Dana White Contender Series or maybe Tough is a good way to start and then progress ahead from there. Right. No, that, that's amazing advice and that's really really you know advice that's needed you know for the indian athletes because i i came up from the grassroots you know and i wouldn't say i've had uh, as long a career as most people in the indian mma scene have had but i've seen you know the lack of knowledge all the way down uh to the point that yeah. even pro fighters who are who have a decent record have no idea how to take their career ahead and they just believe that they should turn up one day and be signed on to the ufc so what he just you know absolutely, shared, I think absolutely. You know, yeah, so that's golden advice. You know, that's such a good point. Mm -hmm. That is that is such a good point. You know, because in fact, there are a lot of Indian fighters that still message me and say, you know, maybe in 2024 I can have a shot. And you know, most of these guys are 35, 36, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's honestly, uh, I I I do believe that there needs to be a reality check, and the fighters in India especially need to kind of understand that. You know, we are out of that 2012-2015 era where, you know, where we are here to scam the fighters and to make money off them and all of that. So, you know, they, they, they need to understand that the moment we plug in someone, our intention is to take them to the distance because really, you know, my, my uh, money comes from the UFC. It's not that I take any cut from any of these fighters and, you know, anything right. of the sort. So that is not my bread and butter. My bread and butter is to put the top contestants or the top fighters in the line and they then have to prove themselves uh you know and you know i'm again you know i'm i'm a very candid speaker i speak very openly i don't i don't hide too many things so road to ufc season two was a huge debacle it was it was it was a huge debacle for all of us uh i in fact had put in punyajit likharu and roshan mainam as okay. my two picks uh you know, Roshan Mainam in the 125-pound division and Punajit Likharu in the Bantamweight, which is 135-pound division. But right. for some reason, you know, Mick Minard and Sean Shelby thought uh, that, uh, uh, you know, Sumit Kumar uh, in 125 and Rudra Pratap Singh in 135 is a better option. So, mm. you know, I I didn't have too much of a say. I told, I, I gave them my, you know, honest opinion that I, I don't think these guys will get past the first fight. Forget winning the tournament. You know, right. I don't think they will get past the first fight. And they possibly saw the records and they said that these people work. And, yeah. uh, you know, after I predicted what happened, you know, yeah. we got on a phone call and, uh, you know, they finally said, yeah, you know, we made a wrong choice and we just need to move on from here. So... Right. You know, my, my point of view was pretty simple. I told him, listen, man, you know, from Anshul Jubilee, who has won the tournament, to getting the next two Indians rocked out in the first fight, just takes us back to square one, you know. Yeah, exactly. and, uh, I, and I, you know, I told them very honestly that Punyajit Likaru and Roshan Mainam, at least one of them would have gone till the finals. I don't know if they would have won the finals. But at least one would have gone till the finals. Right. Uh, so, you know, but sometimes company decisions and, you know, there are, you know, thousand people right now. And now, you know, UFC is a big organization. The hierarchy has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of talking to two people, now I have to talk to 16 people. So, right. you know, things, things just uh, get a little complicated at times. So, so, so this change that you're talking about, did that happen after, you know, uh, I, I, there was a takeover of WWE as well, right? There was a merger which happened some, you know, a few months ago. Was yes, that yes, the cause yeah. of all this change or is it something separate entirely? Oh, no, no, no. So, uh, 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 the two companies are completely different, you know, uh, okay. the UFC and WWE are two completely different organizations. So, right. uh, there was, there was, there was no correlation between the two. 
it was it was just i guess they were looking at fighters with records and what my point to them was that not all records are correct records but i think that 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 conversation just didn't get through for some reason right no i, I get it completely and you know uh, the uh, you know I, i will not get into it but you know even when sumit kumar was selected i know social media blew up with a lot of people sharing a lot yeah. of you know uh, opinions about sumit kumar's record and uh, right. i believe one of the reasons that you know he he was promoting himself as a student of uraya faber uh, and maybe yeah. and maybe that yeah. lobby kind of you know helped him out over there but i yeah, have no idea you know. know what to be honest i don't get into the politics of it i don't know but uh, i do know most of these uh, what you know what do we call them you know these 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 fight managers who are you know some of them are based in eastern europe some of them are based in brazil some of them are based in us now because right. other markets are very competitive i think they are looking at indian fighters and trying to push them for uh, a quick buck and right. the indian fighters are you know are not realizing that you know you may go and you know step foot in the octagon but honestly do you want to be there or do you want to hang around there and most and most of these fighters very sadly just want to be on that mat and have that kit you know so they want the nice t-shirts and the ufc shorts and the bag and all that but i don't i don't think they here to stay right right and you know uh, i believe i saw an interview from a ufc fighter i think it was sean strickland or i am not sure if it was him or somebody else but he pointed mm-hmm. out a very interesting fact that you know what uh, if you are a fighter from europe or from us uh, the fight game doesn't make you enough money unless you really really win and you get in a position where you are main eventing or getting a share of the ppv or the gatens if you are a fighter from say india or brazil and you go in there yeah. you lose three fights the three fights make you enough money to live comfortably back where you are and he says sometimes Absolutely. that reflects in you know with the fighter's attitude and and they are able to perform yeah absolutely absolutely so i absolutely agree but you know what we we have been uh, still working with anshul jubli and anshul jubli is the kind of guy who still keeps me updated he still speaks to me he still asks me you know that what's next what can i do etc etc so honestly there are there are exceptions and one right. of the exceptions is anshul jubli who uh, even after winning three fights he got the performance of a night bonus which is about 50000 dollars you know right. so uh, in in the final of the road to ufc uh, he made a cool 60000 uh, us dollars uh, mm-hmm. you know and uh, apart and uh, you know uh, apart apart from that he still has his head on his shoulders he's still speaking very humbly because his goal is possibly the belt you know so this is right. just the start for most for most fighters i would not want to name them getting in the octagon is the goal so they've already achieved it now they have nothing more to fight for you know right. like you know honestly like you you know like you put in the blood sweat tears you want to win you want to progress you want to go ahead but say for example right. i tell you weber you know stepping in the ring is your ultimate goal and once you step in there's no motivation of doing anything else right absolutely absolutely so yeah uh but you know like you said you know, we were people like you now you know helping guide both the ufc and the fighters on you know the right selection yeah. uh, both for the fighters yeah. of where yeah. to go and for ufc to pick the right guys for the road to ufc or, or other such you know uh, ways to enter the ufc so you know i'm hoping this gets a lot better and i've always been a big proponent of roshan mahinam you know i trained with yeah. him back in bangalore we are part of the same camp and i've seen firsthand how good he is uh hopefully yeah. he gets an opportunity if, if there's the same weight class going ahead but yeah Absolutely. people like him are the ones you know i have very high hopes on yeah so okay uh so somesh uh this uh the ufc right is now quite a mature organization you know we went from the wild wild west days when there were no rules no format people were still figuring out what what the hell was going on and right. where anybody could enter the ring essentially fight uh and maybe when maybe lose but make a name and and get out to the the point that now we have about 900 fighters like right. you said on the roster and there are controversies about you know how much money is being paid to the fighter as a share of the profits that ufc makes so it's it's a very different scenario now right. but we have other promotions like say i say one fc it's still not as mature it's it's getting up there although it's one of the premier yeah. organizations in the world it's still not up there others uh, pfl on that level and then you have new sports like bkfc 
where people yeah. who are done with the UFC are going there, new fighters are getting into it, and the 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 bare knuckle scene is still a wild wild west scene. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. So if you have to look at you know these various kind of promotions, and you look at the Indian fighters, and you want to advise them on where to go, you know what goes through your mind if somebody does ask you. How do I plan my career? Is there something that you know you look at this landscape and give them advice on, or how would you play this around? Uh, so you know that's that's in fact a very very good question that most people have not asked me, and I actually wonder that why don't people ask me this question when my job is that? So you know, so typically the way I see it is I see where the fighter is at, uh, you know, uh, in you know at what part of his career uh, he's at. Like uh, for example, when uh, Govind started speaking to me. Govind mm-hmm. is already an established guy who had a few years off, and he said, "Listen, you know, I want to burst back into the scene. Like, what do I do?" And mm-hmm. I told him, "See, you know, if you go to any of the top organizations, be it one championship, who you know, who've got one warrior series, or you know, in fact, uh, even UAE Warriors, uh, you know, has been has been writing to me. So, but what happens with UAE Warriors Brave Championship? They are still." You know, I would say they are still about seven on ten, and that's still difficult. Whereas our athletes are maybe at two, two and a half on ten, compared right. to the international stage. And you know, we need to accept the truth. You know, you may be kicking ass in India, but the moment you step in somebody else's octagon cage, boxing ring, whatever it may be, boss, it's a whole new game. It's a whole new game whatsoever. So right. you know, typically, I analyze a guy's career by seeing where he or she is at. You know. what is their coach's thought process what is their thought process where do they want to go how how hungry how determined are they mm-hmm. so right. you know a, you know a lot of a lot of things really go on in my head before i try and plug them in into various situations and honestly amongst all of this i first see if the fighter can benefit out of the situation you know it it doesn't come down to money it doesn't come down to all of that you know so mm-hmm. when Govind got plugged in, you know, with Rama Supandi, who's a former road to UFC contestant. A lot right. of people told me that it's a very bad pick. You know, Govind is going to get hammered and blah blah blah, all of that. And I said, dude, you have no idea, because after an athlete crosses a certain threshold, it's not about the skill set. It's not about the skill. Like what I tell all these guys, it's not about the skill. It's about the will. Right. And Govind. or anshul jubli or any of these guys they are just as skilled as everybody else out there but do they have the will to go and right. 100% govind was absolutely ready govind was pushed into deep waters and boom spinning back fist and he knocked out rama supandi something which nobody expected you know right. so you know uh, i would i would first advise all fighters to please trust your team the team is the most important you know because most most fighters think that because they are putting their bodies on the line uh, in the cage or the octagon or the boxing ring they are the whole and soul of this piece no i don't think so it's the coaching staff it's the guys that mentor you it's your dietitian it's all these guys put together really you know make make the puzzle so the phone right. is not just about the screen the phone is about the battery it's about the screen it's about the cover it's about the software it's about all of that so right. you know i would i would i would first first like to tell all indian fighters that take about 30 steps back you know yeah. uh, you may think you know you may think you are the shawn o'malley of india or the conor mcgregor of india uh, right. but you are far from that uh, india still doesn't have a conor mcgregor it still doesn't have a shawn o'malley uh right. you know we need to we need to we need to first start with uh at least at least getting a dan the b7 yeah you know somebody who can <laughs> really go and kick some ass and, you know and then progress from there <laughs> right well, that that is awesome yeah so i i love that advice you know and this is you know a situation that you know i faced out here when i came out to the us and i took up fights uh, and yeah. this is just a personal story i'm sharing you know like i i i started 185 pounds um yeah. I cut from two or five, come to one eighty five. I thought that's a big jump. It's not a big jump, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> In India, it, it looked to be. Out here, when I get to the ring, I'm facing giants, and I realize that you know the weight categories we fight in back in India, and if we fight in the same weight categories once we come out here, uh, there are very few exceptions. Like Roshan got it right, Anshul got it right. There are a couple of fighters who got yeah. it right. Most of yeah. us, you know, even if we have the skill or the will, we are just fighting in the wrong weight category, and there's no one got back it. in India to tell us otherwise. 
uh, right so uh, how do you think this can be sorted out or do you think this can be sorted out because you know back in india if everybody is following the same routine there's not much incentive to cut as much weight absolutely yes in fact what 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 i would like to mention here is that i feel the art of weight cutting is not mastered in india and hence the fighter doesn't know as to what weight category he or she can be efficient in so right. you know there are times you know where maybe it's a george saint pierre or a chad bendis guys that do not cut too much weight you know maybe they're at 176 177 pounds and they cut to 170 pounds so i do believe it comes down to efficiency in fact a lot of athletes i would not want to name them who actually came to us uh, really thought that you know they cannot go below a certain weight class mm. now when we understood what the weight cutting regime was it was completely bizarre you know i mean you cannot sit in the sauna for an hour or you know cycle in the sauna or do some shadow boxing in the sauna or something on those lines so right. uh, the co you know the co-founder of my company is actually a sports and exercise specialist mr frank and mm. i put these fighters onto frank and fighters that could not go below 145 were easily making 135 wow so okay i think it's the art of weight cutting and uh, you know it's not you know, you know sometimes the body is stubborn and you to break certain patterns to yeah. kind of getting down to that weight or getting up the muscularity or you know whatever that you need to do so there are fighters that actually came to us and guys that could not go below 155 could easily make 145 you know right. so i think uh, it's just about the method and understanding that method now, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing this because, you know, we desperately do need the support. And like you said, a fighter can't do it alone. He needs a whole team behind him, whether it's a corner, the dietitian, a bunch of people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing that. In fact, you know, I may possibly come back to you and, you know, get some help at some point of time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <Right>. Always welcome. <laughs> so, you know, taking a step back, you know, we, we, we just jumped right into it. But if I take a step back... <laughs> and, uh, just uh, talk about how you got into this, you know, because um, in India, mixed martial arts or even combat sports uh, was not really something you followed as an athlete, let alone as an analyst or an expert, right? Yeah. You yeah. have been here from the very beginning. So I just want to understand yeah. how did that come about? So, you know, uh, what, what happened... Uh, in, in college, I used to uh, box for a bit, you know, and and what and what really happened was I realized that boxing was very corrupt and it was very monotonous, at least in India. And when I say college, I'm talking about 2001, 2002, you know, so it's right. a good 20, 21 years back. And, uh, you know, honestly, MMA happened by chance to me. So I was, you know, I was, I was flipping channels as a, as a youngster mm -hmm. and I stumbled upon Pride FC, which used to come on Star Sports back in right. 2001, 2002. And it was a time when WWE was at its peak in India and there were like crazy followers and, you know, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were like, you know, stuck on all the boys, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, on all the, the wall. walls and all the cupboards and all of that. So. You know, when, when when I stumbled upon, so I thought WWE is on. So I I was just having a look and I kind of saw that these guys are punching and kicking each other and it seemed very, very real. You know, like it was, it, you know, there were no chair shots and no ladders and, you know, money in the <laughs> bank kind of things happening. It, it was just kickboxing happening with some wrestling and somebody was choking somebody out and there were locks happening and arm bars and also. I got I got quite intrigued and I'm like, you know, what what is this? And at that point of time, even internet was very, you know, new and slow. And you know, we had that modem internet, you know, that you had to physically log on yeah. to and do all that kind of thing. So I actually right. went online and, and I typed Pride FC, Star Sports, and then, and that is when I started understanding about MMA. So Nobody knew what it is. Even I didn't know what it is. And I was just doing some research and I said, hey, what is MMA? Then I saw Pride FC is an organization based out of Japan, uh, you know, right. and it looked very, very cool to me. And I was like, wow, you know, so then I typed MMA in India. 
and mm. at that point of time there was no mma in india whatsoever i think there was uh, i think I, I don't know if Tiger's Gym in Nasik was active at that point of time or, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, because because I was in boxing and then I started reading up, you know, about the sport online. And then I realized that, you know, it needs boxing. It needs, you know, a good arsenal of striking. Plus, it needs wrestling and jujitsu and judo and all of that. So, I said, okay, chalo, you know, like, let me, let me, let me explore this. And because I used to box and kickbox, and at that point of time, if, if I'm not mistaken, I was maybe about 68, 70 kgs, you know, prime fit, good, you know, I could easily do an hour and a half on the bags and go for a good training session. And, you know, I thought, I, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought I'm invincible. I'm the king of the world. Okay. <laughs> and I went to my first wrestling class, you know, uh, my, my first wrestling class was a railways ka akhada. You know, where the railways <laughs> okay. ka wrestlers used to train. Mm-hmm. I went there and I said, you know, listen, you know, that this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And it was very basic. It had a mud pit and, you know, the gadha and all of that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so they said, hai, you know, please uh, come in. And it was some 150, 200 rupees a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, dude, I love this. It's affordable. The guys are real. They are hardcore. And this is exactly what I love. Right. So I said, okay, you know, I, you know, I wore the lungot, did my warm ups, did all of that. And because I was in prime shape, I thought I could kick anybody's ass. And right. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, you know, the master G who was there and I still remember his name, his name is Yuvraj, you know, my, my yeah. first coach, his name was Yuvraj and okay. he was a railways employee, but he was a Kushti trainer. He was and, you know, and Yuvraj put me versus some 55, 60 kg guy. And I was like, dude, I'll kick this guy's ass, man. You know, poor thing. Like, I would actually feel <laughs> bad for him. So, mm-hmm. coach was like, then, you know what, you go with him and you see how it feels. Yeah. And right. we went in the mud pit. Not So, they had a mud pit and they had a mat. So, both the facilities were there. Right. Uh, he said, go, like, go in the mud pit. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I, I have no problem. I am not kidding. That guy picked me up at least 30 times every minute and <laughs> slammed me on my back like I was a I, I was a proper plastic doll for him. I was I was a rag. Okay. He tossed me so many times. And mm. you know, you know, when you're you know when you're not used to wrestling, when you get tossed three, four times and you start yeah. getting a little giddy, mm-hmm. he picked me up at least 30 times. And <laughs> rammed me down. Right. And suddenly I was like, dude, where am I? You know, what am I doing? And I'm like, you know, guys, can we just tap out, bail, bail, bail out here? <laughs> just wait, just wait, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was it was crazy. And that was my first experience of wrestling. I'm not kidding. I lasted about three minutes. Okay. I lasted wow. about three minutes, you know. And I was like, you know, coach, ye kya ho you know, matlab, what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. He said, good. Now that I've got screwed, now you understand the technique. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so then I got into it. Then I understood the technique. Then I did Akada wrestling. Then clinch, underhooks, overhooks, all of that. And nice. that's how my wrestling thing started. Then the boxing, wrestling, that kind of went together. And mm-hmm. honestly, it was still very, very new in India. Nobody really had understood what was happening and in 2008 uh, I went with Fedor's brother Alexander oh. Abelenko to okay. Russia and that is where I learned the sport so I was in St. Petersburg and that's mm-hmm. when I understood and I learned what the sport is how do we chain the striking and the grappling together okay. uh, you know uh, so I learned a lot in Russia and 2010 with M1 Global uh, mm-hmm. I went uh, to the US to organize M1 challenge. So I wanted to understand the event side of it also. Right. You know, and uh, then when I came back to India, I said, listen, I, I think this sport is great. I think it's going to be the next big thing. I think it's going to kick off, you know, because it's entertaining. It's a short format. Uh, you know, it's about fighting. People that love fighting, people that love aggression will definitely get hooked onto it. And yeah, that's when I that's when I approached Talwarkar's Gold Gym to start training in their premise. So that's how my journey started. No, that is awesome. 
that is amazing i i did <laughs> not know that you used to wrestle and box as well that is like an yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. thing to me right i used so did to, you ever did you ever enter the cage did you ever get a match at any point so you know we used to we used to fight at sai kandavli which is which is the sports authority of india yeah. so mm-hmm. we so we used to we used to have a lot of you know inter district fights there uh, you know and all of that so yeah a lot of them a lot of them i i used to love boxing i used to love it nice nice so yeah i, I think back in the in those days it was only amateur boxing in india but I, I i know seeing it because you know i grew up in bombay you know i had i used to go to ruya college in matunga and ruya college used right. to put up this boxing ring and they had a good boxing culture and with, it would be exciting uh, to watch back then especially when oh, i did not know uh, with krishna das if i'm not mistaken i think so i think yeah, i think that's the name i recall kd kd they call him kd <laughs> so yeah it used to be exciting to see those and back then i had no idea about any of the sport but like you said you know everybody in india was a wwf or wwe fan at, at that yeah, point yeah absolutely so anything to do with the ring and fighting used to be exciting <laughs> absolutely absolutely it was it was in fact so crazy i remember that when i started off uh, you know phoenix phoenix mills at lower parel had approached me to put yeah. up you know they had this concept called thrilling tuesdays and one of the tuesdays they wanted me to put up a boxing ring in the middle of phoenix mills and just have these you know you know the shadow boxing sessions and all of that so i got all my fighters and you know we were holding pads we involved the crowd and you know it was great it was great fun nice that is awesome and you know i'm sure you've done events across india and every city or every village right they have their own culture every region has their own way of Absolutely. promoting stuff like if you go to haryana even a regular uh, wrestling you know pehlwani event is like a massive yeah. thing in the villages out there absolutely uh, absolutely like those are called dangals right. out there so even the smallest yeah. one has at least you know maybe about 200 people would be out there right so so from your experience as an organizer which place has been most, most exciting for you from an organization point of view uh so to be really honest i've i've organized most of my events which have been in uh, bombay and now at my gyms which is at manipal in karnataka and now we've right. launched gandhinagar gujarat so but mm-hmm. as far as my experience uh, i think delhi got a lot of people that got interested in uh, mma because and this comes from the sfl uh, experience that uh, i was not there in person but when i saw the event when i heard about the event i think i think delhi was where the maximum amount of people turned up and they just kind of clobbed the entire arena right right uh, i'm glad uh, yeah so delhi has been good from what a lot of people have told me unfortunately i never got to experience it from a organization organi- organizer point of view but i managed yeah. to get a couple of you know fights out there and it was always fun out there yeah uh, so re- talking about delhi right it reminds me of a fighter who had come who had associated himself with delhi and when i talk about wwe which is sports entertainment and then he came to real combat sports whether it's boxing or mma a lot of the really really famous uh, athletes have realized that entertainment has to be a part of the game you can't just go in there and fight so absolutely famously mohammad famously mohammad ali apparently attended a pro wrestling show before he started his career he saw how they were doing right. the promos and he incorporated that into his personality uh, right conor mcgregor did something similar and when you speak right. about delhi there was this fighter called delhi don if jesus jason uh, Sol- jason solomon yeah yes yeah. and he i believe he was trying to go down that route and to a, f- a fair degree he was successful until the whole debacle of of the 9 second knockout and ozzy man yeah. taking his case which right. made him viral but for the wrong reasons right so, <laughs> what is your opinion about you know the art of doing promos and how where do indian fighters stand as far as that part of the sport goes so you know that is such again you know that's such a solid question and you know honestly most people don't even ask me this question because they're not experienced in the line but i'm so glad that you asked me that so see if somebody really wants to make money and somebody wants to become big then yes showmanship is definitely a part of the show but sadly most fighters in india look at showmanship first and then they go down the winning route i tell most people that listen you have to win to eventually be cocky and put up a show you cannot be losing and doing this and see 
you know, Connor may be in a different league right now, but if you really look at his uh, his ability to pull crowd at some level, it has reduced. It definitely has reduced because I don't know for how long he's not won a single fight. Most times he's just viral because people follow him. But honestly, as a sports person, he's not won a fight. Uh, you know, honestly, TUF was a debacle. You know, uh, he's too much into his you know parties and the stuff that he does outside, etc. So nice. you know, I tell most people that you know showmanship is great. You can always develop that. But can you win? Mm -hmm. Can you win a couple of fights? Can you do all of that? And see, you know, you don't need to be loud and over the top to be a showman. Again, I come back to my best example, which is Anshul Jubli. Anshul Jubli is a very quiet fellow who will sit in the corner and just observe you. Right. But when he got pumped up, when he won his fight and he said, Namaste, UFC India is here. Boom. Yeah. You know, so he did not, he was not cocky. He was absolutely original. This was not scripted. You know, we did not speak of this in the locker room. Nothing of that sort. Nothing. Right. He just went, he won and this came naturally to him. Now, yeah. speaking of Delhi Dawn, yeah, great, great guy. You know, I can, I can, I can put a Rolls Royce in front of you. But if it doesn't have an engine and doesn't have wheels, then you can't drive it anywhere. Right. You know, no, so that, that's a great point. Yeah. Absolutely. So my point is, get the engine, get the wheels, and then develop the body. You know, so right. the flamboyance, the flamboyance, keep it for later. Uh, mm -hmm. At least if you win, that is important. You know, and again, coming back to Sumit Kumar, you know, having photos with Uriah Faber and Khabib and Javier Mendes and Dana White is great. But are you mm -hmm. winning? No, you're not. You're just, you're just gonna you're just gonna get one fight. You're gonna lose that. You're gonna go back to your village, and you're gonna mm -hmm. go back to your social media. And Goodbye. honestly, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to discourage any fighter, but I'm saying, please first learn to win. The sport is your bread and butter. Master that and then put on fancy clothes, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So a fat person yeah, wearing good glad. clothes will still be fat. So <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. get in shape first. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Right. Um, Okay, so coming back to this, right? Uh, one of the things I noticed when uh, I look at fighters, right? And uh, when I was part of the Indian team for the amateur MMA uh, yeah. tournament, I went out there. I met some amazing people out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, one thing, you know, that really stood out to me uh, when I spoke to athletes who were doing very well, people who are world champions and people who were being prospected by both the UFC and Bellator back in the day. Uh, Mohamed Mokai was one of them who's now number okay. 10 in the UFC rankings. Uh, there was Ryan the Hulk who was signed to Bellator. I'm not sure if he made a debut. There was Michelle Montague who's now with the PFL and she's in a winning streak. Right. More than the skill and the will, right? There was this intelligence behind them. Like yeah. I, when I spoke to these people, I can imagine that if they had taken a STEM degree, they would be extremely good at STEM as well. Absolutely. And it doesn't Absolutely. matter what they did in life. The intelligence was way up there. Yeah. So uh, in Correct. India... Yeah, in India, a lot of people who take up the sport, right? Typically, uh, I, I wouldn't want to put it that way, but may not understand how to utilize their skills the best way. Wouldn't have the same kind of fight IQ, wouldn't have the same kind of, you know, in ring generalship that you would expect a person with a higher IQ to have. And that right. sometimes I feel is something which holds the sport back in India. What is your opinion on this? So, you know, uh, that again is a very good point because what most people think is that the fighting game is a Maramarika game. But it's not. It's not. You know, if if you speak to someone, so I've had, you know, the honor to speak to someone like a Kane Velasquez or Daniel Cormier. Uh, I haven't met, but I'm assuming John Jones is. They are such intelligent human beings because they may not hold a degree. They may not hold a college degree. But when it comes to analyzing the opponent, you know, when, you know, he may make a certain sound before he throws the right or he may twitch his left, you know, shoulder before throwing a leg kick. These things cannot even be observed by doctors because yeah. these guys are so drilled into the sport. And if they are not intelligent, then they will not pick yeah. these things, you know. Uh, so right. the, I mean, honestly, yeah, uh, 
सैडली मोस्ट ऑफ अस इन इंडिया हैव बीन कंडीशन कि अरे अगर डॉक्टर की डिग्री नहीं है ना तो यू नॉट इंटेलिजेंट या इंजीनियर नहीं है तो यू नॉट इट्स ओनली आईआईएम या आईआईटी बट मैन ट्रस्ट मी दीस गाइस आर सो शार्प एंड दे आर सो इंटेलिजेंट दैट इट विल टेक एनीबॉडी बाय सरप्राइज यू नो आई मीन ऑनेस्टली यू नो इवन इफ इट मींस कोना मे नॉट बी द मोस्ट acute businessman but he has a knack to select someone that can run it for him efficiently even right, that absolutely. is a knack you know yeah. there are there are people that have got fortunes of wealth and over 10 years have wasted it all in india itself you know right. there are businessmen who have inherited 10000 crores and in a matter of 10 years it's all gone down the drain so honestly having right. a harvard degree or having a you know wharton degree cannot cannot do wonders but these guys right. are so intelligent that you know uh, you you really be surprised you know like when rich franklin when i met rich franklin benson henderson all these guys they are very sharp people you know they observe your body language they observe everything about you so i can imagine what they do in competition right absolutely now i'm glad you know we share that opinion because you know a, a lot of time when i tell this to people it takes them by surprise because like you said that is not the first thing which comes to mind especially back in Got india it. करेक्ट करेक्ट यू नो अरे नो की इसके पास बल है ये यू नो मतलब तीन हाथी ऐसे उठा सकता है तो बल है तो मतलब ये बॉक्सिंग कर सकता है थॉट दैट केम टू अंड इज माई माई कजन ब्रदर वॉज द असिस्टेंट फिजियोथेरापिस्ट फॉर द इंडियन टीम इन दर टू थाउजेंड एंड टू थाउजेंड एंड वन and at that point of time the physio for the indian team was this south african guy called andrew lepis who was there with us for quite a while and mm-hmm. uh, you know because i was a huge fan of cricket and stuff like that i i used to just hang with my brother and i used to go with him for all these practice matches and all of that and mm-hmm. in the year 2001 you know uh, when australia were touring india yeah uh, right. you know uh, i had i had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with the australian team and the indian team and you know at that time so you know there was there was steve war there was mark war justin langer shane warn brett lee all these guys were there and right. you know post post the cricket match they all hung together the indian team you know the australian team they were all hanging in the same hotel and all of that and uh, i was i was i was talking to justin langer and justin langer happens to be an ardent fan and a practitioner of karate so oh, wow. uh, yeah you know so i was just really chatting with him you know that you know, what is it that makes australia this great you know why is the team undefeatable there's no chance the I mean, world 11 has not been able to beat australia so right. he told me one very interesting thing he told me that the australians don't win the match on the pitch they did before they even step on with how they behave with what they talk with the body language the attitude you know and that was a very interesting aspect because that spoke deep about psychology and i'm a huge psychology fan you know i i love reading books about psychology i love observing people i kind of you know make notes as to how they behave what they talk when they talk you know when they're drunk how they talk when they're sober how they talk blah 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 all these things so it that got down to psychology and how intelligent these guys actually are i mean if you ask me is conor is is conor the greatest fighter of all time absolutely not is he the best showman of all time maybe yes mm-hmm. you know right the best fighter for me still date un undebatable is john jones because john right. jones i feel is undefeatable you know so mm-hmm. uh, so you know the, the, these these guys are so intelligent that they know as to okay fine i may not have the skills to beat this guy mm-hmm. but can i beat him at the press conference can i beat him at a stare down you know when he's exiting his car you know can i beat him there you know can i right. talk about his wife and can i demotivate him can i get him angry can i talk about his daughter you know can i talk about his adopted children so i'm saying these are all mind games that go into actually prepping for the fight so most right. fights i believe 50% are won or lost outside the octagon and, and right. it's just the show that carries on inside the octagon you know i mean we saw a very calm and composed khabib absolutely lose his mind after the corner fight yeah yeah 
That was something so, else. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so it just it it just comes down to how you can play the mind games along with the physical games. Right, right. I'm, I'm, yeah. So, yeah that that is that is an amazing point that you brought out. Uh, a lot of these fights, you know, a lot of these fighters do manage to win this in the press conference before the fight during the start down and uh, and you know I, I, that's something i don't think i can ever replicate i don't think i have the same bent of mind that they do but i love yeah. watching when they do that it, 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 it's 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 a beauty to watch it's it's not right absolutely absolutely right um so uh one of the things that you know uh, people have been talking about over the last few days and you know, apart from the fighting aspect itself is the officiating aspect of it and officiating you know has come a long way and we have a bunch of rules, you know. One FC has a different set of rules. Uh, yeah. UFC, which we are most familiar with, has a different set of rules. Uh, yeah. Stoppages are always a big point of controversy, and the way the referee make calls. Uh, like right. you know, somebody was talking. Uh, there was a UFC referee, I think, was it John or somebody else was talking, and they were talking about uh, the calls that other referees make, and even the interpretation, like uh, the twelve to six elbow. Is not yeah. allowed in the UFC. Yeah. But if you're on your side and you're elbowing somebody, some referees say if you're on your side and bring your elbow down, it's still 12 to 6. If you're looking at the ceiling. And the other referees right. are like, that's not 12 to 6. Right. So right. Right. The biggest controversy over the last couple of days was the stoppage of the Sterling. Right. So right. when you look at such things as a commentary, because you you follow the ultimate guide to UFC and people do want to know your opinion and want to understand where you are coming from, you know, what do you make of all of this? And what do you think about the standards of officiating right now in the game? So, you know, an, like another another very good question. So I would I would uh, see, you know what, there are there are see at the end of the day, the referee is a human being, you know, and yeah. they all come from a certain background they all come from a different school of thought even though the rules are the same like for example right. i am from the just bleed era you know like what like what <laughs> arjun and me say you know we are from the just bleed era we love the ground and pound we love the cuts right. we love the blood you know we love the elbows we love all of that right. so honestly if mm-hmm. i was a referee i may have let a fight go on for maybe Three more seconds. Right. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But but you know, but there are some referees who genuinely feel that if I let this go on, he's gonna get pounded further because he's not protecting himself intelligently. So they stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like uh I do believe there was a fight um between Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler. Yeah. And yeah. Ben Askren had got Robbie Lawler on a bulldog choke and he really squeezed it hard. And, you know, Herb Dean asked Robbie Lawler if he's okay. And he did this. And I don't know, for a brief second, there was some tap or something of the sort and Herb Dean stopped it. And yeah. Robbie Lawler just got up and said, listen, I'm absolutely fine. I'm, you know, and yeah. Herb Dean was like, yeah, I thought you tapped. So, you know, right. most of the times, I, you know, I do believe that uh, internationally certified referees always have the intention of fighter protection first. Even if they make a mistake, it is better that it is stopped rather than someone snapping their elbow, snapping their shoulders, uh, or you know, getting into a bad knee bar or you know something on those lines. So I do believe that referees right now are also under the fire when it comes to mm. you know certain fights. Uh, and they also have to be very, very careful because very, very sadly, I do believe that the first BMF belt between Diaz uh, and Masvidal, when it was stopped by the doctor because of that cut, that poor doctor received death threats. You know? Uh, (laughs) I get a little crazy about it. But yeah, I know, but there are some referees like Steve Mazagati, like Herb Dean, who let the fight go on for a little longer you know, and uh, yeah. you know, they they kind of wait and watch to see if the fighters at this level can recover from a certain shot or not. Uh, but at right. the end of the day, it's a human's call. It can always not be correct. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there are 
there are mistakes at times and again mistakes for the viewers the referee thinks he's right but the viewers say oh no it could have gone on for a little longer time i feel the call for sterling and shawn o'malley was absolutely spot on because the kind of guys that we are looking at you know first of all that yeah. right was clean like sterling walked into the yeah. right and it was clean and people don't understand shawn yeah. o'malley is a lean thin guy but when he shoots that off the barrel it's like mm-hmm. and in fact i spoke about it in ultimate guide to ufc followed by conor writing about it that it seemed identical you know when conor knocked out aldo was very similar to the uh-huh. sterling and shawn o'malley fight where he just went out of it and boom countered the right so what right. people don't know that shawn o'malley has extremely precise accuracy his ground and pound is so accurate that even from a distance he can you know if, you know if, uh, uh, if he's standing and his opponent is here he can still strike straight to the head even though the target is this small yeah. he goes straight and right. boom like that so honestly i i think mm-hmm. sterling's lights were out two or three more punches and he would have been out cold so i think it was a very very Got good it. call by the referee right now i'm i'm glad you shared that uh, opinion because you know there's a lot of controversy behind it and to be honest you know like i'm exactly like you i may have let it go on for a few seconds not because of the fight uh, you know in a in a non title fight i would have called it right there in a title fight i would yeah. have let it go three or four seconds more just because he was Absolutely. the champion down there but again it's 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 you know it's it's nitpicking the decision and you know you like you said the referee is a human but you know this is one of the reason why when people talk to me i always say that you know mma looks very brutal but from an athlete point of view i feel i'm safer in a cage than i am in a boxing ring because Any in a day. boxing ring even if i'm concussed yeah yeah the referee is going to give me eight count even if i'm concussed as long as my hands are up the fight will go on absolutely <laughs> absolutely you know uh, you know and boxers you know once they get a few good shots what happens they go into you know this cruise control mode where they are like boss i'm going to operate you know sometimes the mind doesn't work and if the referee says put your hands up they just put it up without yeah. knowing that yes you know my, you know possibly if you speak to them after the fight you know if it's round 5 round 6 ke baad if it's any of this round they'll be like i have absolutely no recollection you know they go in this right. autopilot mode where uh, you know sometimes it cannot be good and i tell most people that mma is a much better sport because my target is not only this you know in boxing this is my target imagine absorbing 600 plus shots on my damn face yeah. you know uh, and of <laughs> course you know there will be some body shots here and there but but primary primary agenda is to get the guy's face and uh, you know it's crazy it's it's crazy how how and you know uh, you've been looking for a very long time i i used to do it uh, so that's that's that that's how that's how things are but i just i just don't understand that how you know these guys actually take those many shots right yeah uh, so you know just uh, on the topic of boxing the newest sport on the block that's now coming up really really quickly and that's something which actually interests me a lot is banacle boxing and you know there has been very you know interesting takes on it a lot of people i spoke to especially experts yeah. on this show and most of the experts are from the mma background they they hate the idea of banacle boxing what is what is your take on it um see to to be honest i don't know i don't know you know it's 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 almost like asking me about how is how is the slap league going you know so <laughs> yeah. uh you know i i do believe that the world is moving in a direction where people want new things they want to see newer sports newer rules uh, you know maybe some superstar coming out of retirement to fight in a separate organization so uh i honestly like bare knuckle boxing i love mm-hmm. bkfc uh, i think right. it's a great sport uh however i do feel that the chances of cuts bruises and blood is more uh right. you know and uh, when it comes to the technical aspect i think also the fighting style is very different from boxing you know yeah uh so in bare knuckle i do believe the clinch work is you have to be a master 
at clinch work compared to uh, you know traditional boxing uh but as a sport i love it i don't know if it'll ever become as big as mma or boxing but i think it's a good alternate to get into and i do believe they've got two minute rounds which are shorter rounds uh yeah and the finishes are also much quicker so in case some you know uh people honestly may not even be knowing that when anybody wears boxing gloves the gloves are actually to protect your knuckles not to protect the exactly. you know, not to protect the other guy's face most yeah. people think that the boxing gloves are there so that the other person doesn't get hurt not at all the moment you get punched by a boxing glove or a bare knuckle it feels almost the same right you know uh, <laughs> but uh, i do believe without the gloves it will just mm-hmm. have more blood on the canvas and the blood work will be more right right but Absolutely. i love it, you know yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> you know so you know i i had the same take as you know but like and i tell this to people that uh, i would rather get punched by a bare fist than with a glove because there are there is a good chance he's not hitting me as hard just because he is holding back not break his hand and if i'm in the cage and i'm taking knees elbows and shin kicks to my head a fist is it's not going to hurt as much more yeah exactly it's, it's just it it just looks ugly because of the cuts and you have to get into dirty boxing so a pure boxing enthusiast will not enjoy it but right. uh, yeah it's 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 a, it's a different sport and uh, it's something i would love to explore at some point but yeah it's not the prettiest looking sport out there is what i would but, like to i mean as. i think it's great you know i mean from the spectator point of view i think it's great you know right uh, and also i do believe at some level you know the traditional organizations like the ufc the one championship may not pay as much because there may be alternate you know funders that are coming to get rival organizations up so they may throw in more money to get some superstars to move from one sport to the other just right. for the spectacle aspect of it you know like we've got you know page van zand that is there there was chad mendes that was there uh you know luke rockhold i think also went there then there's platinum mike perry uh yeah. gabriel gonzaga bigfoot silva i mean okay, you know the list goes on and on but yeah. just imagine if someone like a francis nganu comes in bare knuckle you know <laughs> he would, he would be <laughs> he would be like i don't care if my hands break i'm just going to go at it you know yeah exactly <laughs> you know somebody's jaw just flies out or something <laughs> with an uppercut yeah. Yeah, that that would be insane yeah he he would be yeah you i would not want to see, i mean as an opponent i would not want to see him across me in a banical ring yeah but not even not even as a referee yeah, because by chance if it swings and exactly. it goes the other way <laughs> yeah i mean when he swings he it's not a technical punch he throws it just comes across wide but with a lot of absolutely. power absolutely yeah. so absolutely yeah the ref is in the line of fire you're right right uh awesome um we we've almost spoken for an hour and you know oh, I, I can yeah <laughs> oh wow i didn't even realize that it, it it was it was going so well it is you know i i love this you know and i can keep on talking to you but you know i think we'll Likewise. have to wind it up so you know just Absolutely. just a couple of questions to wind it up if if you have to yes, put please. a mount rushmore out there like you said uh, john jones is you know your your fighter you know right at the top and so i'm assuming he's on mount rushmore but who would the other three be for you um i definitely feel uh so john jones for sure uh mm-hmm. i think fedor is the second one uh-huh. uh i may put amanda nunes there mm-hmm. okay and if you ask if i if i only have one more person then maybe anderson silva got it I'm glad you put Fedor in because a lot of the fans today don't even know who Fedor is, and he's been like such an icon. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in fact, you know what the reason why I put all these guys is because there there needs to be one person who is extremely talented when it comes to skill. So John Jones, there needs yeah. to be somebody who has fought everybody from all shapes, all sizes. That is Fedor, uh, Amanda Nunes, who is who has changed the face for the women. Uh, right. Anderson Silva, who is stylish, uh, who has you know a good skill, 
plus he is stylish and Conor McGregor maybe for the business aspect of it. So, but otherwise, you know, honestly, I feel there are people like GSP also that need to be there. Uh, even yeah. though most people find him a boring fighter, but yeah. uh, you know, GSP is someone who, uh, from his country, has carried the Olympic torch uh, over yeah. most other, you know, options that they had. So honestly, that says a lot about his integrity, his hard work from where he's come. So, but yeah, if you ask me, I think these these four. Uh, would be on Mount Rushmore. Awesome. So much. I seem to have lost your video feed. Maybe there's a connectivity issue. But you know, we are just about to wind up. So if you have to give a few words of advice to the new fighters in the country, you know, just before we, uh, you know, close out the show, what would that be? Yeah. Okay. So just one piece of advice is please stick to your team, be loyal, listen to them, and be transparent. That's it. That's that's the mantra of success. Awesome. And on that note, I think we can wind up the show. Thank you so much, Somesh, for you know joining me here. This was an Thank amazing you conversation. So much. And I thought I could speak for another hour, but yeah, we have to wind easily, this up. Easily, easily. In fact, in, in you know, in fact, we can speak all night. You know, we'll just pull out a glass of whiskey. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. A bottle of proper twelve, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they sponsor it. <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again, Somesh. And thank, thank you so you much, Bebo. Thank us. you so much. Right. You take care of yourself and have a good night. Ended. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Somesh. And thank you guys for joining. And we'll be again uh, live next week uh, on Beyond the Gloves. Thank you and have a good night.